18, verses 1 to 11. The potter and the clay. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. And at another moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I intended to do it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter, shaping evil against you, and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way, and amend your ways and your doings. Thank you, Liesl. So contrary to uh, late 60s rock and roll, Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. (laughs) Maybe he was somebody's bullfrog, but this Jeremiah is one of the great prophets of our tradition in the Judeo-Christian tradition. Jeremiah, his, his ministry extended roughly between 626 B.C. and 587 B.C. He was a prophet in the, in the tradition of the Hebrew people. A prophet was someone who was always calling people back to the covenant. God created a covenant with the people of Israel. It was a mutual agreement of a relationship based on love and trust. And in a covenant, it's not a contract. In a covenant, there's give and take. There's freedom. There is grace given to both parties to say, it's really up to both of us if we're going to maintain this covenant, if we're going to stay in relationship. Jeremiah was a prophet who said to the people of Israel then, we have wandered from this covenant. We have not held our end of the bargain. We have been remiss in our intentionality in being in a loving relationship, in an interrelationship with the Creator God. And 
in that tradition, he was not very popular. Most prophets are not. Most prophets get under our skin. Most prophets in every age end up getting killed because we cannot stand the truth that they're speaking. Jeremiah was saying to the people of Israel, God has a desire to be in relationship with us. But we have not been in a loving, trusting relationship. We have made decisions that really indicate that we want to be in charge and we don't want God to be in charge. Now some of the people heard him, some of the kings of Israel heard him, understood. One of those was King Josiah. King Josiah was known as a great covenant reformer, someone who was at the helm of power saying to the people, indeed we have wandered from this loving relationship. We really don't trust God anymore. We're trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in our own bank accounts. We're trusting in our own military might. And King Josiah was saying, we need to recommit to this covenant with the living God. King Josiah died. One of his successors was King Jehoiakim, who was not into the covenant. He was into power. He was a puppet king who really was taking his orders from Egypt. He was into his own self-serving, self-aggrandizing power, and therefore any relationship with God was a threat to him. And this is probably when Jeremiah wrote these words, spoke these words to the people of Israel, was during King Jehoiakim's reign. The word of God came to Jeremiah, and the word was this. Go to the potter's house. Have you ever sensed that you hear God say something to you, but at first you just think, this doesn't make any sense. Why do I need to go to the potter's house? It would be a natural question for Jeremiah. He listened, trusting that God would reveal as God does in God's own time. Hmm. If it were only on our time. But God reveals in God's own time. Jeremiah went to the potter's house, watched the potter. Have you ever watched a potter? It's fascinating. It's almost mesmerizing to watch this wheel going at great speed, to see the potter. I hear that the, the, the most important thing is centering the clay when you first throw the, the pot, when you put the clay on the wheel. If it's not centered, that potter is going to have to really work hard. And he or she is going to have to wet their hands and push with all their might to get that clay into the center. Because if it's not in the center, it's not going to become a pot. And so, Jeremiah watched the potter. Watched the potter put his or her thumbs into the middle of it and to bring up the walls. And if that wall was a little bit too thin in one area or the other, it would just flop and become a mess. And then, Jeremiah watched the potter take the clay off of the wheel, form it again, and throw it into the center again and start over. Do you see the images of death and resurrection there? It's the same Paschal mystery. 
the death of a pot, only to be reformed and reshaped into another pot. And so Jeremiah watched this for a while. And then the word of the Lord spoke to Jeremiah. And God said to Jeremiah, as you have been watching this potter try and shape this pot, so too am I trying to shape you and the people of Israel. And if there is a weakness in the wall, if there is something that's off-centered, then I'll just start again. I'll take the pot off of the wheel, reform it, and start again. And if that fails for whatever reason, there's an imperfection in the clay, the potter may make a mistake, or the wheel is off just a little bit, whatever, the potter, he or she, will start again. This was the message that Jeremiah was given to give to the people of Israel. Have you ever felt like our society is wobbling, not centered, or perhaps trying to get centered, but no matter how hard we try, we're still off-center. We're just not balanced. Have you ever felt like our own lives are just off-center? That our lives may be wobbling and not really grounded because we're not centered or we're not malleable or we're going down the wrong path and we need to be taken off the wheel made into a ball again and we start over. Thank God we have a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Whether it is our society or us or our church or our denomination that is wobbling, that is struggling, our invitation is to trust the potter even if that means we need to start over again. Even if it means we say to God, I I don't even know what's wrong, but I know something's off. Something's not working right in my life or in our life or in our church or in our denomination. And God, we are dependent on you, the master potter, to shape us into your new creation, to transform us into something beautiful. It is an invitation to trust that God knows what God wants to make out of us as individuals, as a church, as a denomination, as a whole people. And we may not see the big picture, but God does. And God can take even our worst mistakes, our worst messes, our worst selves, and make something beautiful out of it. There are two illustrations I want to end with. Um, I spent some time this summer with the Akama Pueblo people on a reservation uh, in the desert southwest. Pottery is what they have been doing for centuries, probably for about a thousand years. They've been making pottery. And we visited some cave dwellings and found shards of these pots right there in the ground, a thousand year old. I met a woman who is a potter and she learned her craft from her grandmother who learned it from her grandmother. And she was selling these beautiful small pots with 
intricate painting, white paint on them. And she told me that her grandmother taught her not only how to paint, how to shape the pot, but how to make the pot in such a way that every pot has one intentionally made imperfection, a mistake that everybody can see. And her grandmother and her grandmother's grandmother told her to do that so that whoever owned this pot would be reminded that we're all imperfect and there's no perfect pot and there's no perfect people and there's no perfect marriages and there's no perfect friendships and there's no perfect congregations and there's no perfect pastors and no perfect bishops and no perfect presidents. Got a fire? The other illustration I want to lift up. One Friday this month, I was down in Ocean Grove, went down to Bible study in Bishop Jean's Tabernacle. Have any of you gone to Bible study at Bishop Jean's Tabernacle? Sharon has, Ron has. Um, after the Bible study, uh, my family and I went to, uh, to Days Inn for ice cream. I highly recommend it. They've been serving ice cream for 140 years. And then we went to the beach. The water was a little choppy. Nothing like I'm sure it is today. God bless everybody who's down at the coast this, uh, this week. And so we took our boogie boards into the water and we waited for the big waves and rowed them in. And as we were waiting for the big waves, there were hundreds of people in the ocean that day, uh, we found ourselves just kind of bobbing and making small talk with people we had no idea who they were. One, one guy was talking with his son near where we were and he said, did you see that commercial about the guy jumping into the pool, it's in slow-mo, I don't know who the commercial's for, and the, the voiceover says, that moment when you think you are doing something spontaneous and fun, and you realize that your cell phone is in your pocket. <laughs> and, and you see this guy going into the water going, oh, no. I don't know, have any of you seen that commercial? Okay, <laughs> who's it for? I don't even know. But it's a funny illustration. So this guy was telling his son as we're in the ocean and we all felt for our cell phones. <laughs> Fortunately, we, none of us found our cell phones there. I said to the guy who, who we were both laughing at this. I said, I see you've got a tattoo on your arm. It looks like Jesus. Is that Jesus? And he said, yeah. And he kind of hesitated. I said, oh, that's... It's nice. It was, it was a Jesus in, in full color, but it was quite faded. And you could tell that it had been put on there maybe 30, 40 years ago. And, and it had Jesus with, with the crown of thorns around his head. And he said, uh, well, I, I really didn't get it finished. I said, oh, what else were you going to do to this? It was just Jesus' head. He said, well, I got this when I was in a gang when I was 15 years old. And so I got it for the wrong reasons. But I didn't get it completed because our gang 
was supposed to all put on underneath Jesus' face um, the words, Mother, forgive me. And he said, and I didn't go through with that because I didn't stick it out with that gang. I had to kind of escape the gang, but I did a lot of terrible things while I was in the gang. And he said, I, I kind of regret getting the tattoo, but I'm a Christian now. I'm, I'm born again, and the tattoo means something different to me. He said, are you born again? And I said, brother, I am born again and again and again and again. I know he was looking for a date and a time, but in my tradition and the way God has worked in my life, God is always giving me opportunities for rebirth. And so we talked about our faith as we're bobbing out there in the ocean, talking about Jesus. And he said, God took my terrible life and redeemed it, transformed it. And just last year, my son and I were on a mission trip to Honduras. And there's a lot of gangs in Honduras. And he said, it brought me to tears to watch my son tell gang members about his father's life and about how his father, by God's grace, had his life turned around and transformed and molded and shaped by the master potter into a new life, a redeemed life, a life that was giving back, not taking. I said to him, all things work together for good. And he finished it. For those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And we both just kind of nodded as if to say, isn't God good? Doesn't God make beautiful things out of our brokenness, out of our mess, out of our lives, out of our imperfections? God is always molding us and crafting us and shaping us into something beautiful if we're open to it. And so today, I invite us to take the covenant seriously. That God wants to interact with us. God wants to dance with us. God wants to mold us and shape us in this season of our lives as individuals, as a congregation, as a denomination, as a people. And take our messes and our imperfections and our brokenness and make something beautiful, not just for us, but for the whole world. May it be so for you and for me and for us and for the church of Jesus Christ and for the whole world. Amen.